0: Thanks for listening to Faith in the Fast Life. I'm Nick Order, I'm your host. On this show, we look to break down the stereotypes of what the Christian looks like to the world by receiving testimony of action sports athletes and other athletes and just individuals across the world. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and fastlifeministries.com to give. Hope you enjoy this episode. All right, and uh, good morning. We have uh, Robbie Reyes here this morning, a great friend of mine, good man, good man of God. Robbie has a a great story to share. He's kind of like a lot like me. Uh, Yes. Been to the dark side. We wanted to touch a little bit this morning and talk about what it looks like to come from darkness to light. You know, we hear it all the time out there, and and uh, Robbie's going to share his story with us this morning and where he's been from. As everybody knows, if you listen to episode one, you can hear uh, part of my story of where I was in addiction and alcoholism and all those things and how the God brought me out of it, and, and we want to hear Robbie's story today.
1: Amen. Well, I just want to say thank you to you, Nick, for having me yeah, part of this really. podcast. Man, this is really cool to be a part of something like this where... You know we can talk about our darkness, and we can share the light of what God has done in my life. For sure, there's a uh, there's a quote from the Reformation uh, era that says, "Post tenebras lux." Excuse me, and it says, "After darkness, light." And that really resonated with me because my whole life I lived in darkness.
0: Post tenebras lux. Yes. Is that? Latin?
1: It is. Latin. It is. Yes, absolutely. And so you can go backward and forward. So it's after darkness, light, or the reverse is before the light, darkness. Yeah. So before the light, darkness in my life. And that really, um, if you think about it, is Romans one eighteen. You guys, I just, today in my life, I speak a lot from the Bible. I want to tell you about my story, but really what I would... Most rather do was, is to talk about what God has done because this is really God's story. He gives us a testimony, right? Yep. But in reality, it's what has he done in my life and, and po- pointing people back to Jesus.
0: Absolutely, and that's what we love so much about this is being able to come here and, and, and grab the story of where you were so that the listeners can, there's so many out there that can relate to it. Um, as I was amazed at the amount of listeners on, on my story um, and just how they related to me being back there and then where God's taken us. So we're excited to hear that.
1: Yeah, and I see that tattoo that you have on your arm. It says Romans. Romans six six. Yes. So in Romans one eighteen, it says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people, listen to this part, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Yep. And That's what I was doing. Hiding from it, right? Hiding. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was hiding from it because... I was scared, I was scared a a good portion of my life because of things that had happened as a child that I didn't understand, I didn't know why. I had a lot of questions, but I was living in so much fear that it masked my true self, my true ability to see things for what they were. We've heard that a lot,
0: like you hear that a lot in in the recovery places, right? Like rehabs. I've, I've been to three treatments. Yeah. You know, the the third one, finally I found God after that. And that's where I got right. But here about putting on a mask, right? And so many people in the world today, you know, wear masks and it doesn't necessarily have to be a mask of addiction, but you put a, you put on a happy face, right? And like you don't deal with the problems that are actually down inside you. Mm-hmm. And therefore that's, that's the darkness, right? Like you're, 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 you're shading yourself, right? Like you're covering yourself up.
1: Yeah. And, and the thing about like, the denial or the mask is you're so blinded that you can't see that deep rooted pain. And I just, okay, so I'm 12 years sober. I was addicted for 18 years. Right. And I don't know, you guys are really familiar. Some of you probably are more familiar with addiction than others, but you see it more. uh, What would you say? You see it more today than ever where addiction is at an all time high almost. Um, yeah. we're, di- we're addicted to so many different things. But that mask um, didn't allow me to really see that deep-rooted pain that I was dealing with. And I went through a a program with your wife, matter of fact, and we did a ceremony. I'm going to be real brief and uh, kind of general about this because we'll probably talk about it later. But um, in this ceremony, I go to this ceremony and I realized in a... In, in a split moment that I was living in fear all my life. I was living so scared and I made decisions out of that fear. And it, it just drove me to do things that I never thought I would ever do in my life. Um, You know, I was a pretty happy kid growing up and then some things happened. Um, I was abused I was abused sexually, mentally and physically as a kid. Yeah. And the things that happen from that, the mental games that it's almost like mental fornication if I can say that on the on the air. Yeah. Um Fast Life Ministry, bro, we say we tell the truth, man. You know it's it's the mental fornication that happens because you you just don't understand what's happening as a kid and I was sitting at my kitchen table this morning studying uh, the Word and asking God to help show me some stuff, and He showed me today that the two main men in my life were not there for me um, in those times that I needed them the most, which would be my dad and then my brother. And I've always wanted, like, that father figure. Um, I've wanted some support from my brother. Um, and you just find it in other ways. you oh, know. Yeah. And you don't know what you're doing. You really have no idea, like, wh- why am I doing this? Um, and so you just live your life, and you try and do the best you can, and it just isn't. I remember my dad said this to me one time. He said, uh, there was a coach a really, um, a coach I wanted to play baseball for, right? So I played baseball and basketball. And he called my dad and he said, hey, what's this, I hear Rob's a head case and I'm, I'm like wow cuz that's where my life ended right? right i was like yeah i guess i am a head case. and my dad's like what's that all about and I, you want to just turn to him and say uh, well <laughs> um you had a part to play in that dude
0: <laughs> right but so, so tell us more about that like coming up childhood like you know that's that's a deep wound but there's there's so many people out here that can that can relate to this that we can help through your story, because yeah. you've you've overcome it now, Robbie. Like, that's what's so cool to see that you know I, I can I can see the hurt in you, and I know the hurt in me, and I and I know that you said that the the class that my wife does you really helped helped you realize that you were living in that fear. But for those that don't know, you know Robbie is now a pastor. Um, Robbie leads the Celebrate Recovery group through our church and does so many excellent things. Like which I just I give you kudos for that too, brother. Like I said, been being there. <laughs> We know how many people get out of addiction and then they fall right back into it, man, and it breaks my heart every time. And I, I don't know how you're so tough about it, and I think it's because you stay, you're so committed to the word, and and I applaud you for that, brother. Where, where you've come from and where you are is incredible, and I mm-hmm. want the listeners to know that. But we want to know your story too. Yeah, tell us, tell us about that growing up with the, you know, father's not there, you're abused. Where, where did you where did you end up in addiction where how did you get there
1: yeah so and i and I you know this isn't about uh my dad this isn't about the things it's about what God has done right and and really he tried to do the best he could and he did um it's not like we weren't without he provided he was a good dad with what he knew there was just things that he didn't know right and as a kid when and I was looking at my son. Uh, My stepson, he's 10 years old, and I was like, this is the time when I started really experiencing some some deep pain Mm -hmm. because there was things happening in my life. And I was told, if you tell anybody, you're going to get it worse. And so there was no way, because I was getting it pretty bad. There was no way that I wanted to tell anybody what was going on in my life. So I just put on this smile. I learned early on, you just suppress your pain. You put on a smile and you just live your life, and uh, and at that moment, you know, my I just I continued to live. My dad didn't know, um, and then, so here's the deal: I was I played sports my my whole life. Uh, I I was a pretty good athlete. I would say I struggle with this because I don't want to like pound my chest, but I played through high school. And, um, I probably could have went on and done some other things with that, but I didn't have the self-discipline. I didn't have the control because of what had happened. I'm just finding this all out right now, right? 12 years sober and you're just finding out new things about yourself. It's so cool. Um, but my parents divorced when I was in eighth grade. So I'm a 3.8 student in my freshman year, um, excelling at a high level in basketball and and baseball and then my world just comes crumbling down and uh they get a divorce I didn't understand why I thought it was because of myself and then I just get to a point where I don't care it was like the stuff that happened to me as a kid nobody knew about and then I get this divorce or my parents have a divorce and then I just really started not caring I didn't care about life. I didn't care about me. I didn't care about you. I didn't care about anything. All I wanted people to know was I was in pain, but I didn't know how to tell them that. I didn't know how to say, hey, I'm in pain. Isn't that crazy? Talking about your feelings, right? Yeah, it's like, it's so, uh, it seems like it's so easy. Hey, just tell somebody I'm in pain. But instead, I started cutting my wrists. Mm. And that was like my loud scream, I need help. But nobody caught it. Everybody was like, "Why are you such a? Why are you trying to do that? Why are you so crazy?" But they didn't ask me why I was in pain. And I feel like, for me today in the celebrate recovery um, realm, I want to hear why people are in pain.
0: Right.
1: You know, not many people today. I think you see the guy on the street corner, and you're like, "Man, that dude's a loser." Or you start coming up with all these different adjectives for why that person is on that corner, but nobody stops and says, "Hey, man, why are you in pain? What's going on with you?" Yeah. Nobody wants to talk to those people. Yep. So it's really cool because our slogan at Celebrate Recovery is, "We are those people." Right. Me too. Yes. Right? Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. We're, there's so much pain. We're we're all in so much pain, right? We talk about hurts, habits, and hangups and my life was full of those things i just didn't know how to i didn't know how to express it i didn't know how to talk about it and uh today we give people that platform because like what we're doing right here you're giving me this platform to talk about that pain of my past that deep rooted pain um that drove me to do the things that i did man um you get to the bottom of it so that was one of the big things you know with me as
0: well as you know by no intention like i have a great family i talk about that several times um but I never really felt like we ever talked about feelings. I felt like it was always we'd swept things under the rug. Like, yeah. oh, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And even now, like I can see it, you know, you talked about the cutting of your wrists and, and you wish somebody would have said, well, what's your pain? But they looked at it like, well, what's wrong with you? Like, mm-hmm. what's what's crazy about you? Yeah. And I think so often nowadays, and maybe this can resonate with some listeners, that we look at the person doing that and going, oh, they're just looking for attention. Yes. And, and yes, they are. Yes. They're looking for attention. <laughs> There's something deeper. Right. Go deeper. Find out what it is. And sometimes in teenagers and, and the youth, like, you know, maybe it is attention, but why not grab a hold of it right there where it's at and say, hey, what's going on? Like, we're here for you and, and share the love of Jesus, if nothing
1: else. Yeah. And that's why in, in Romans, when he says, who suppress the truth by their wickedness, man, I was suppressing the truth of my pain because of the wickedness that was happening in my life. I didn't know I didn't know how to express it. I expressed it through um, drinking. I expressed it through sexual immorality, impurity, lust, all those things that the Bible talks about. And check this out. This is really funny because I was the guy you didn't come talk to about Jesus. I didn't want to know about Jesus. Matter of fact, I had all kinds of resentments against Jesus in the Bible and church. I just felt like... It was a place where you went because you had problems in your life. That was kind of what was shown to me is anytime my mom and dad were fighting, we'd show up at church and it was like, what, what are we doing here? Who's that dude up there? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like what is all this stuff? And, And then when all of everything happened in my life as a kid, you're like, okay, so if God loves people so much, then why did all this evil happen to me as a child? And listen, I have a great family. I have a great, you know, my, my aunts and uncles, good people. Um, but it just wasn't somewhere we could go talk and tell people like, hey, this is happening in my family. Right. I was scared, dude. Yeah. Like I remember running down the street one time screaming rape. I was so scared in my own home. I didn't know what else to do just to try and get help. My mom and dad weren't home. It was me and my brother and there were some things happening at the house I was getting my head slammed against walls. I mean, I was scared as a 10-year-old. So you figure a 10-year-old kid getting beat up by a guy my size. And I was, I didn't know what else to do, man. And I just booked, up, I just remember booking out my house and I was running down the street screaming rape as loud as I could. And I would cry myself to sleep every night. So is this, is this
0: your brother? Yes. That uh, that was basically beating you up. Yes. How did the neighbors as you're running down the street screaming rape?
1: Anything? Nobody even came out. Nothing? Nothing. So my whole life, any kind of an authority figure that I tried to help ask for help wasn't there. I felt abandoned as a kid. Right. Um, again, you don't understand these things that are happening. And as a man who wants to talk about these things? Who wants to talk about being abused, man?
0: Nobody does, but that's why it's so right. powerful. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's, and what the listeners don't understand it. And I I just pray that, that somebody that listens to this is going to be able to relate and God can work, work through Robbie's story and, and be able to really touch somebody. Cause this happens all too often, and so many people are still living in fear. So many people haven't gotten to where you are. And what's crazy about it is, guys, I, I can tell you the Holy Spirit's in the room right now, and I can, I can see <laughs> chains being broken on Robbie right Amen. now as you tell this, because it, I don't feel like you've told this story very often. I haven't. And it's so powerful, yes. and it's you're being broken free right now. It's incredible, guys. It's incredible to watch. I hope that the video can capture it. As good, but this is this is good stuff. So t- well,
1: tell me more. Well, here's more. The, the, the matter of it is that although these things happened, right, and as hard as it is for me to actually say this, because I've never, I think I've said it one other time, but God has brought myself, my brother, my family, everybody into full restoration, mm-hmm. completely reconciled. Yeah. We've been made one with Christ where we're all um, working together for the greater good. Like this story that God gave me was so that I could finish that race, right? He says to run the race and win. And in order for me to win, I have to be completely honest. I have to practice rigorous honesty. I have to do the uncomfortable work. The uncomfortable work was I got so desperate in my life, my pain became greater than my fear to change that I finally raised my hand and I said, I need help. And when I said that, at, the, at that moment, I didn't know Jesus. And I raised my hand, and I said, I need help. And it's like his arm reached down through heaven and grabbed my hand, and he said, I got you. And I had no idea. How old were you at this point? Oh, I was 35. Yeah. So, so, again, you know, because of the fear that I lived in, I didn't practice self-discipline. I didn't practice self-control. If I would have done some some of that rigorous work, some of that hard work early on in my life, who knows what would have happened in my athletic career. But i never gave, I, I'd go to practice. I was naturally, I would say, naturally talented. Um, and I never really put in extra work. The guys that put in the extra work, they're the ones that, end up somewhere, right? They're the guys that go to college. They're the guys that, like all my buddies that I play baseball with, they all went to college. I quit my senior year because I didn't care. Right. Um, and so today, because of what God has done and the way he's worked in my life, I, I now want to commit and do that hard work. Right. And this is part of that, right? Part of that hard work. Sorry, guys, I'm a pastor. I'll, I'll talk all day, but... Um, <laughs> Part of that hard work is, is being honest man. being honest in a room with three guys and, and countless others that are going to hear this yeah. t- podcast, man. The truth, the,
0: the, the old ad is the truth sets you free, right? Amen. And, it, and it really does. And this, this is, this is freeing. It's freeing for anybody out there who can, who can tell your truth, live your truth, own your truth, get rid of that mask that you've been covering yourself with.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes, it's that rigorous honesty. It's, I don't have to live in fear anymore, right? In, uh, what is it, 2 Timothy 1.7? Is that where he tells us that, uh, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline? Yeah. He gives us a spirit of power, man, and then love. It takes a lot of love to forgive somebody. And when you're young and you don't know why, like, okay, so we teach people how to uncover these deep-rooted pains through an inventory. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing your inventory, you got to find out like, okay, here's this pain, here's the cause, here's the effect. Um, Here's how it, you know, this is how it affected me. And then basically what I want to get to is what's my part in all of this. And as an abused kid, I was like, why do I have to go ask somebody for forgiveness that's done something so horrible to me? Right. But what that ends up doing is it frees you from that those chains that we're talking about, right? That yeah. that that bondage, that slavery that we were under.
0: I heard it said once, uh, I always quote this wrong, and I think we talked about another one, but forgiveness is not actually for the person you're forgiving. It's actually for you, mm. and it's, it's letting go of, of the thought that anybody owes you anything. Yes. It's it's saying, you know what, he wronged me, and I don't expect him to pay me back. I don't expect him to apologize. I don't expect them to take it back. I don't expect anything from them. I forgive them, and I set myself free from them, or it, or yes. whatever, whatever it is, you know, insert, you know, blank space here, insert the the person, the thing, the event, the whatever it was. Uh, and it might even be yourself. You know, that's one of the big ones I think people struggle with anymore is, is forgiving yourself. And then the other thing that I read in a, in a great book once was, who am I not to forgive myself? Am I saying that I'm greater than God who already forgave me? He already forgave you guys. Like if there's something you're struggling with, He's already forgiven you. He doesn't. He doesn't keep a track record. I think that's a common misconception when the, you know, the non-believer comes to church and says the the pews are going to burn down, right? Because because uh, they're such a sinner. I love I love that old. One. I used to say it myself, you know. But so here we are, thirty-five years old. You got sober and you found God. And and the, well, the,
1: here this is funny, right? So I didn't find God, but because I was still, um, I was still living rebelliously. I didn't want to know God. I just wanted my drug addiction to stop. My drug addiction had drove, so I had done so many bad things. Um, I had wrecked so many relationships. And, you know, you talk about that it, that uh, whatever that it is that you need to forgive, there were circumstances, situations, people, places. Like, I couldn't live in Pueblo because it just represented so much negative for me. Um that when you forgive those areas, like, that's how I was able to finally get to a point. Like, my pain got so great that I raised my hand, and and I just wanted to get sober. Dude, I was in Denver on the back alleys of Colfax, begging. I had a good job, but I would go down to Colfax Street, and um, so I had a crack addiction for probably eight years, and that stuff... Man, that that stuff drives you to do stuff you you never would think you would do. And I was in the literally back alleys of Colfax Street in Denver, from uh, Josephine to Stout. They call that the track, and I would just walk that and beg. But anyway, uh, so I wanted my I just want my drug addiction to stop, man. And uh, I looked up at the twelve steps of AA, and it it said something about God, and I was like, ugh. Uh, but when I looked up there. In those rooms, they were talking about, you got to do whatever it takes to stay sober mm-hmm. because you were doing whatever it took to stay high. And that was powerful for me, right? Yeah. I went to this meeting 70th in Washington called Puttin' Sober, a bunch of ragtag bikers on the north end of town. And they told me to sit down, shut up and listen. And I needed that kind of a direction in my life. I needed somebody just to get in my face and tell me, bro, you're going to die. Yeah. You're going to die. And so I, I get sober Um, I still don't know Jesus, but there's this curiosity that's building in my life. Like there's something greater out there that's happening. And I don't know, I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, through a series of events, I end up in Pueblo and, uh, a girl that I had dated, both of us kind of in our addictions back in the day. Uh, I posted a picture. I think it was back then. It was MySpace. Yeah. I remember MySpace. (laughs) Um, so I think there was a picture that was posted. She had my number. She called me. And, um, so we reunited, we were talking and in, in one of the conversations, because she couldn't get sober, she was still drinking. I was sober and didn't know God, but she was going to church and she says, Hey, you want to go to church with me? Yeah. Heck yeah. You're pretty hot. (laughs) I'd like to, I mean, you see, like I was still talking that way. I was still thinking this way. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're pretty hot. I'll go to church, whatever. And in that moment I go to church and it was at praise assembly and I didn't know what it was, but man, there was a power there that was greater than myself, man. And it hit me and I just really fell in love with whatever that was. And I kept going and I kept going and I, I was really confused by the whole church thing. I didn't understand. I didn't know um, because I, I, I grew up Catholic. So I had an idea of like this father and sit, stand, kneel kind of regimen. Yep. But the guys that were speaking, they looked like me. They dressed like me. So I went up to one of them after a, sur- uh, it was a Wednesday night service. And I was like, so where's the father? And they kind of chuckled, they're like, "Dude, what?" And I was like, "Well, you know the like the the father where's the whatever pastor or priest where's the priest? They're like, "Oh no no, no that's that's Catholic. We're Christians, and it's more about a religion a relationship. It's not about a religion and at that moment, it just clicked for me like, oh." Like these dudes were just like me, they were dressed just like me, they sounded like me, and they just wanted to re- they were talking about a relationship. Yeah. And I could understand what that meant. So in those moments, um what I now know today is that was the Holy Spirit that was working in my life. He started to grab a hold of me and really start to shape me and drew me in more and more. So this was October of 2010 was it 2010 2012 something like that, and by December of that same year, I was being baptized. That's how powerful it was for me. This is a dude that didn't know Jesus. This is a dude that, as a young kid, was so resentful because of all the things that had happened in his life, going through a divorce. Um, and I, you know, you don't have to really talk about much about like that because people understand that pain. I want to talk about like the victory. And the victory was, I got dunked in that water, and it's a simple like sauna. It's like a like, you know, just a little pool of water. So you think, but when I came up out of there, dude, I was so lit on fire. It was like my old self melted off. All that old pain, all that old, it's, they call it the uh, your old nature, your old person is is now gone. Yep. And when I came up out of that water, dude, I was just so on fire. And I wanted to do something. I wanted to help. I wanted to, to, I wanted to help people experience what I experienced in that moment. I wanted them to see that, man, there's something greater out there. Like, God has a plan for all of us, and it's far greater than we could even imagine. And here's a dude that didn't like Jesus. I didn't want to know God. I didn't want to know any of that. I just wanted a drug addiction to stop. And in and through that, I come up out of that water, and a year later, I'm like, in this meeting— with Pastor Steve, and he looks at me, and I'm like, I don't even know why I'm in this meeting, first of all. And he says, Rob, what would you like to do? How would you like to serve this church? And I said, I, I want to do Celebrate Recovery. Because it's a Christ-centered 12-step program, right? Mm-hmm. AA, I love AA, I don't have anything to say bad about any of those programs. Although programs in a church, they take kind of a hit because... People that know the Holy Spirit know that's where our power comes from, right? That's that power that that Paul's talking to Timothy about, and uh, but those rooms saved my life, man.
0: Yep, that's what got you there. So, so let's uh, let's go back there a little bit, so we we know where you're at now, and and the opportunity that God, the, the doors He opened up, the you know non-believer hand hand of God coming down to you and you still didn't believe <laughs> like he's 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 knocking on the door but yeah. you're not opening it up um, let's let's go back to, to high school you know senior year you quit playing baseball yes you're done with it Is Dude, this- I was
1: showing up to high school high yeah. that's I mean that's how bad it was I went from like a 3.8 GPA honor a roll student uh, on our society to like I needed the last class my last day Man, this is how bad it got. I quit baseball, and I was spent the last two weeks of my senior year in in school expulsion. They called it ISE yep. back then because when I quit baseball, I had uh, I struck out. I turned around and I told the umpire what I thought about him. <laughs> yeah, and it was in front of the whole crowd at Runyon Field. I st- I turned around and I. I blurted out an explicit, uh, explicit. what do you call it? Expli- explicit. Explicit. Yep. And it just radiated all the way up the stands, and everybody heard it. Silence. And Silence over oh, the stands. It was the most embarrassing. It was almost like this is exactly what my life had gone. This is where it had taken me was to that point. I scream this. I go down in the dugout, and the coach is like, he said something, and I'm at this point, we're like 0-9. And, and I said, Coach, it's not going to get any worse. We're 0-9. And, and he was like, why don't you just quit? If you don't like what's going on around here, why don't you just quit then? And so I packed my bags, and I walked off the field. And then I spent the next, you know, geez, that's 18. So what, next 17 years reeling in that misery? Trying to find out why and how did I end up in this place of uh, darkness that we were talking about earlier? In yeah. that darkness,
0: well, and it's so easy to get stuck there. So, back in high school, you say you showed up high to school. Was it primarily marijuana that got everything started for yeah. you?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That was back then. That was what was happening. Um, you know, I drink a few beers or whatever, and and then by my senior year. Um, you know, again, when you go through this divorce, there's so much confusion that happens, both with my parents, with us. Nobody really knew what was going on. All I knew is I was waking up. Nobody was at home. I would go to school. I would come home from school. Nobody would still be home. I would go to practice. I would come home from practice. Nobody would still be home. I didn't know where anybody was. Back then, there was no cell phones. So you couldn't just call somebody. You just had to kind of wait. You know, my mom, she was working three jobs trying to make life, you know, ends meet. She had moved out. My dad, I don't really know what he was doing. But nobody was home. And nobody in high school knew this. Dude, I was going to school and uh, I remember our lunches for school being 80 cents. And so people would pay with a dollar. They would have 20 cents left over. Well, I would go around and bum those 20 cents because there were times I didn't have lunch. I didn't have a meal because I would come home and go to practice, come home, go to practice, go home, school, practice, all that stuff. And nobody would be home. I was trying to have to like fend for myself, cook, clean. And I never, I remember this. I told one of the girls at, in high school, she said she was hungry. I'm really hungry. And I said, you should drink water if you drink water and you drink enough of it, it'll fill you up and you won't feel hungry because that's what I was having to do. Cause I didn't want to tell anybody, man. Yeah. Pride.
0: Right? Ugh. So a whole, whole nother whole other battle. Here's a couple of things that I'm grabbing out of what you're saying right now that I'd, I'd love the audience to hear. Um, the one thing is, is that as, as Robbie said, he quit. You know baseball and he's he's coming out he's got these hurts from his childhood that he never dealt with mm-hmm. you know from 10 years old yes and what i see happening people and i did it to myself but you have that hurt from this age and you never deal with it and you get a little bit older and you get another hurt and you never deal with it and you get older and you get hurt again And now like you've just compounded all these hurts and there's stuff down inside of you so bad that you're just completely in an umbrella of darkness and you can't see the light. Mm -mm. And you continue to get into the the woe is me and you get into a, a victim stance, right? Like you're a victim now. Yes. And you'll continue to live your life saying... If that's, you know, could have, would have, should have, if this wouldn't have happened, then I'd be here. And if I didn't do this, then I'd be here. And that is a trap, guys. It's a trap that'll lock you in. You got to take it. A, you got to you gotta deal with those problems when they arise. You got to talk about them. You got to share your feelings. For men, prideful men, that is one of the hardest thing in the world, to admit that I have a problem, that I'm hurting from this. Maybe... Maybe Robbie tells me something today that hurts my feelings. Guys, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I'm not afraid anymore to say it. You know what? What you said to me hurt my feelings. Yes. I'm a sensitive man. I'm an <laughs> emotional man, and I'm okay with that now. But for 35 years of my life, never. Not a chance. I'm going to be the strong, broad-chest, prideful man that that doesn't hurt me. But the problem is I stuff down all those hurts and then I become a victim, and I say, well, if this wouldn't have happened or that wouldn't have happened or if this would have been different, then I would be here. Let go of that. If you are holding on to that in your life right now, get rid of it. It's toxic. It's chains that Satan wants you to be bound with, and get rid of it.
1: Yeah. One, I, one of my favorite sayings back when I was using and doing everything I was doing was, if you guys would have just treated me the way I needed to be treated— I wouldn't be doing the things I'm doing, yeah. And that's total victim stance, right? And that's the point of, that's the point, obviously, of what we're doing here today is, is to stop being a victim and start taking responsibility for your life, your actions, your choices. Yeah. That's what had to happen when I raised my hand. I didn't realize it, but I was taking responsibility and saying, "Man, I don't want to live like this anymore." Yep. I don't want to live under this thumb anymore that's holding me down from what God has planned for me. He had blinded me so much, and I say he, I mean the enemy, through my temptations, through my lust, through my the, that pride that we speak of, he had blinded me so bad, I couldn't see that there was a greater purpose. And that greater purpose is for what we're talking about right now you know, there's a lot of men, they don't want to talk about these things. There's a lot of men, there's a lot of people, man. There's just people oh, yeah. in general. They don't want to talk about anything. Yeah. But what I would encourage you is, you know, come to celebrate recovery, get into a group, get into, you know, just something where people can, you can, they'll, they'll allow you to express yourself honestly and wholeheartedly. Um, because it's not about being a victim anymore, man. Everybody has a hurt. Everybody's carrying around these pains. And and again, I was 12 years sober. Go to this ceremony through you know, the graciousness of Nick's wife, Alexis. She's running this program, and it's on post-abortion. And I had no idea <clears throat> that that would even be a part of my life story. It ends up being a part of my life story, and what happens is this big root, just got pulled out of my life so that I can start to live in that freedom that God talks about, man. He wants us to live in such a freedom today. And I was such a slave to my temptations, to my pain, to my, uh, you name it, whatever that, that looked like.
0: Yeah. And so it's a, it's a pretty profound thing. This was a big step. Um, my wife does this class. She does it through the, you know, caring pregnancy center, um, you know important to point it's it's God doing that class and my wife is a gracious host that just yes. helps people along <clears throat> um something that she's been through herself and and it was so impactful and so awesome for her but Robbie is the first man at least in this region to step up and do this um and I, I want the the listeners to hear that too like there's so many struggles and so many things that we all go through that we may not even think are affecting us but Robbie tell I mean tell us why you were there oh, well
1: um you know, as a, as a pastor, God's been working on a lot of things in my life. And one of the things he was working on is this area in my life where when I was dark and confused, when I was in that darkness, I made a choice. Um, I was the guy who drove my girlfriend at the time to an abortion clinic to have an abortion. Again, living in fear, being scared, not understanding, um, not knowing... Anything, and not even having an understanding of of what this um, decision was going to entail, it was like almost like let's just go get an abortion. And when you think about it today, that's just so crazy to think that way. But I was so confused and so so lost in darkness that I drove her to um, have an abortion. Well, God was been has been speaking to me about this and I go to this ribbon cutting for the ACPC. Uh, Frank to did a wonderful job over there. Um, He's my mentor and a great man of God, but he's also one of the directors over there. And um, he had renovated a building. They had a ribbon cutting. I go to this ribbon cutting and I was so overwhelmed and I didn't know why. So I look at Frank and I'm like, look, I gotta get out of here. I'm completely overwhelmed and I don't know what's going on. I drive back to the church and on my way I just broke down and I started telling God I was so sorry because of what I had done. You know, back in those dark days, you think of it as it's let's just go get an abortion. It's not that big of a deal. That statement right there, it's not that big of a deal. It being a life, it being a child of God isn't that big of a deal and God wanted me to really feel the weight of that sentence and and in that moment I just started breaking down and I said I'm so sorry I never meant to do this I never meant I never meant to hurt anybody man I was hurting yeah. and I wanted people to know how bad I was hurting and I did not express it. And I caused a lot of people to do a lot of things that I'm very sorry for. And I'm really sorry for what I did to God's child. And so because of that, that next weekend, Alexis was doing the Sanctity of Life. And she gets up to her and she starts speaking about this class. It's on post-abortion for women. of course. And I start telling her my story and she says, you know, I got a class for that and it's starting this Tuesday. Rob, you should really be a part of it. And uh, in that moment, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. Not understanding what I was even getting myself into. Dude, and that class was so amazing. There are some brave women that I was so grateful to go through that class with and to see like what I had caused, what I had done to uh my girlfriend at that time. The pain I had caused. But again, you know, no matter what you guys have done, no matter what we've done in life, God wants to forgive us.
0: He already has.
1: And he re- yes, and he really wants you to forgive yourself. Yep. It's not that I, it, you know, I had a conversation with my kids, and it's like, it's not that I don't live with the horror and the reminder, but I also live in the victory today of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, right? His son said, look, let me carry that for you. And uh, so I end up going through this class, and it, it's just an amazing class. It's just another step in that freedom, right? It's, it's like what Paul says, we run this race to win, we have a priceless inheritance you guys that awaits us we're going to be on this earth 60 70 maybe we make it to 100 years compare that to eternity like why don't i want to just be free from all these things and so god was really speaking to me on this and uh I took this class and I, I would just encourage anybody that's listening, man, woman, get in touch with the ACPC. That is such an amazing uh resource in this community and this class. Alexis does such a she's so gracious. That was such a good word. Gracious yeah. is the is a perfect word for that. Yeah. Because she knows exactly what she's doing.
0: Yeah, it, and and it helps that she's been through it herself, right? You know, so she she knows where people are. She can meet them there. It's like you and me talking about coming yeah. out of addiction. You help them with celebrate recovery. Like you can really help these people because yeah. you've been there. And what's cool is that, you know, like you said, 12 years sober at this point, and you're still uncovering new things. This class just happened like a month ago, right? Yeah, so, yeah, like, literally. this is new. But that's the thing, guys, is like wherever you are right now and your hurts, your hang-ups, your habits, whatever it might be, like you might think that you're just walking tall and everything's good, but, but, but maybe there's there's these feelings that you're having or or something's not going a hundred percent right. Well dig deep. Like what else is in there that you need to let go of? You know, uh Forrest and I talked about let go, let God you stop trying to control things. Yes. Um yes. You know, that, that 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 control keeps keep you in the darkness. That pride of not wanting to talk about your feelings will keep you in the darkness. Um it's time to let go of those things and grow. And, and wherever you are, whether you're in Colorado or, you know, Tennessee, Florida, whatever it might be, wherever you're listening from, <clears throat> take a look at what the ACPC has to offer because there, there's a caring pregnancy centers all over the globe. Um, take a look at that if, if you're struggling with that abortion thing, man or woman. You know, if you're, if you're struggling with addiction, you know, take a look at Celebrate Recovery, um, you know, and ultimately, you know, take a look at God. Yeah, you know, take a look at what the what the Lord Almighty can do for you.
1: You know, step one of Celebrate Recovery it talks about um, realize I'm not God. It says realize I'm not God. I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life is unmanageable. Yeah, man, when I stop trying to control people, places, things, and situations, then I can allow God to do what He needs to do in my life, because my tendency is to do the wrong thing. And whatever that looks like to you guys, uh, for me, it was masking the pain. Uh, It was all those other, you know, they talk about drugs and alcohol, but Celebrate Recovery really helps uncover those hurts, those habits, and those hang-ups. Drugs and alcohol are a symptom of that deep-rooted pain that we didn't deal with. And so when we talk about our past, like I talk about my past so that I can talk about the victory, right? Yes, I had this stuff happen in my life. Yes, it was, you know, when you talk about abuse, you talk about divorce. Those are some pretty big pains. Those are those are things that like I go to prison today. Um I'm very fortunate that God has willingly given me willingly all that. Yes. You know. Yes, willingly, because I get to leave today. <laughs> and that's the best part about it is uh you know, and I've been able to go to some places that most people wouldn't be able to go and talk to these guys about the same stuff that I dealt with. I didn't deal with really uh, in my life, and I I'd leave there. Here's what happened. This is a cool story. Do you guys have? Do you have a few minutes? Yeah, we're good. We got a few minutes here. Let me just tell this real quick story. Is so I go through this whole p- process of my life of not understanding. Like you're you're in these places and you just don't understand, why is this happening to me? Maybe you're in a in a spot right now in your life, and you're asking yourself, like, why is this happening to me? Let me tell you, I got asked to go into a prison and speak, and uh, that wasn't, like, what I thought I was going to be doing, but that's what God wanted me to do. And so when I went in there, I just told my story, because I wasn't going to play like I was some you know, somebody that I wasn't, I wanted to be completely honest with these guys, because I knew that they would, they would understand if I was lying, or trying to play them, they'd pick me off in a heartbeat. So I just told my story. And it was so powerful. And it touched so many of those guys. And we had such a great fellowship. That when I left this prison, and, and we're talking about, you know, Centennial Correctional Facility, we're talking about Colorado State Penitentiary, those are level five, level four, maximum security kind of stuff. This is, you know, big-time stuff. You're talking to these guys, and when I left, it was so powerful that I had to pull over because in that moment, I realized why I went through everything I went through. And I was crying so hard that I had to pull off the side of the road because God finally showed me, this is why I had you go through what you were going through, because I needed you to talk to these guys. I need you to talk to these people who are facing what you dealt with, what you're dealing with, what you're free from. It was just an amazing, amazing testimony. And, um, I was so grateful to be a part of, of that and to see God work in such a powerful way. Yeah. It's always a, you know,
0: purpose, right? He has a purpose. So, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, 11, yes. right? You quoted earlier. Um, it's got a plan for every one of us. And sometimes you might be in that darkness right now and, and you're sitting there saying, Why? If there is a God, like why why is he doing these things to me? Yes. Um, and you may not ever understand, but if you surrender yourself to him, he will likely point it all out and it'll all start to make sense and come together. Um, you know, as we as we wrap up today, Robbie, um, I always ask at the end, you know, if if there's one thing that you'd like to say to the listeners, you know, whether they're an addict, an alcoholic, uh, you know, had an abortion, um, maybe they're a believer or not a believer. They're just struggling and they're hearing this today. What what's one thing that you want them to take home with them today?
1: Don't let people, places, situations, or circumstances intimidate you into what God has planned for you. God has such an enormous plan for your life I would encourage you to seek help wherever that is if you're in Pueblo come to celebrate recovery you can go to celebraterecovery.com on the locator find a meeting in your area but get into a spot where you can start to do that uncomfortable work and surrender the outcome to God yeah. right yeah like oh let God let go and let God, and, and do that, you know, practice rigorous honesty, man. Get honest with yourself, and just understand, like, you're, you're in a place that you can't do this on your own. Yeah.
0: No, if you're, if you're lying to yourself, you're lying to everybody else. you got to get honest with yourself. Yes. And, and truly, what, what is it that's hurting me? What is it that's bugging me? What is it that's stopping me? And, and let go of all those
1: things. Get right, get honest, and move forward. Yes. I mean, that's there, there's nothing better than when you can totally get honest with yourself and allow God to work in your life. Man, I, I don't know. If I could just give you guys a small little bit of what my life is like today, it's far beyond anything I would have ever imagined or dreamed of, and that's yep. what the Bible talks about.
0: Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. Robbie, thank you so much for being with us today. How can, if people want to look up Celebrate Recovery and get a hold of you here, how, do, how would they go about that?
1: Hey, you guys, you can call me or reach me at Pueblo Praise, uh, Praise Assembly of God, 719-544-9486, or you can email me at rob at pueblopraise.org. Man, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to help you. Um, we can do this together.
0: And that's wherever you are, email and phone work anywhere. You don't have to be in Pueblo. I'm sure Rob would love to. Yes. I've, I've had countless people, sister-in-law, different people that I've, I've said, hey, Rob, they need help, and and you're the guy to talk to them. So that's all over the world. And as, as always, uh, fastlifeministries.com to give to this ministry to keep us going, keep this podcast going, keep sharing the word. We'd love to have some uh, supporters to jump on board with us with Monthly or weekly or just a one-time donation would be huge for us. Follow Fast Life Ministries on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And we appreciate everyone's time today. May God bless you in wherever you are going.
1: And thank you very much, Fast Life Ministries, Nick Ordor, for, for having this platform to be able to speak about these things and to offer the help um, that you're offering for people. It's, yeah. This is awesome, you guys. Get involved. Get involved.
0: Yeah, absolutely, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, guys. We'll talk soon.
1: Thank you.